Mountain Abbey podcast and the one and only dedicated Edwardian pop culture podcast on the internet. I assume. Google it. I really don't know. Yeah. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. And uh, we are married, but don't worry, we are not going to be dicks about it. We're uh, we're like Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald. Only drunker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's true. Um, all right, well, let's get down to business. This is uh, this is a humorous recap and discussion of Downton Abbey. So if uh, you're you're gonna be all uptight and get upset if we make fun of your favorite character, or, <laughs> or, or if you think that we're uh, shipping the wrong people. Oh um, my god! Clearly, they should not be together. <laughs> right. Kelly is demonstrating the sort of listeners we don't want. Get out of here. Yeah. Get get. We don't want you anymore. Go get out of here. Yes, we we do like to start off our podcast by driving people away. Well, we're very <laughs> cantankerous people. That that we are. Much, well, like, much like Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's maybe, a good point. You check the oh, history there. If only we had a small child to neglect, then it would be complete. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, basically we're going to start off by recapping Series 1 of Downton Abbey, Mm -hmm. and then we are planning to move on to Series 2, and then the uh, infamous Christmas special. Uh, In between there, we're probably going to do a screening of Gosford Park. Julian Fellows 2001 Oscar winner. Indeed. And uh, yeah, what we do after after Downton Abbey and before the third series, uh, kind of kind of up to you guys. Yeah. So I mean, if there's any if there's any Edwardian drama out there that you're just sitting day after day thinking, if only there was a podcast devoted to this Edwardian drama, to humorously deconstructing <laughs> Jeeves and Wooster or Manor House. Or uh, uh, upstairs, downstairs. Maybe, maybe Brideshead revisited. Is that part of the whole thing? Um, maybe Merchant really Ivory. That well, if you crazed listener could help us out by, yes. by letting us know because we're clearly a little bit unsure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just any time, any time in the early 20th century up through like the mid 20s. Mm-hmm. I think I think will work for us. Yeah. So just whatever you got, let us yeah, know. Lay it on us. Mm-hmm. We hope you really enjoyed our theme song. Ah, yes. That is the one and only remix of the Downton Abbey Suite by John Lunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will go ahead and play that for you uh, in its entirety at the end of the show because it's super cool and fun to <laughs> dance to. Yes, that is true. That remix comes to us from YouTube user Kick Inc. I think mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Kick I mean, Inc. And uh, we will post a link to his YouTube channel on our Twitter feed so you can download that. Make it your ringtone. Check out some of Kick Inc.'s other tracks. Yeah, and by the way, uh, just a memo to the internet. How is there only one remix of the Downton Abbey it's theme song? It's kind of appalling. Available. It's a world record for critical acclaim. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, it's huge. We're doing a podcast about it. I, I have heard there's a lot of mashups. Ah. Yes. I see. Apparently there's a lot of shipping mashups, but not so much... Because I think a remix is much better, you know? Oh. A remix is non-sectarian. <laughs> yes. That's true. But I guess you do have to take into consideration that, you know, of the, you know, like 12 million viewers per episode in Great Britain and the 4 million viewers per episode in America, many of the people watching this show uh, probably would be like, uh, what is a remix? <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, we're we're there's probably we're not using the British term yeah. for it, which would be uh, a gyro tune. <laughs> gyro tune. That's that's I think that's correct. <laughs> I'm not 
Not if, you've got your, if you've got your uh, slang dictionary handy, <laughs> please let us know. Yeah, uh, are, any, are any listeners in, in the UK? Yeah, let us know. Us uh, but if you have created a gyro tune <laughs> of the Downton Abbey theme song, please send it to us. We will uh, we'll use it for our theme song. Yeah, we will. We're uh, very generous. Yes, we love to share. Yeah. Speaking of which, we would like to share our gratitude to Ivan in Red over at the Boar's Gore and Swords uh, the third best Game of Thrones podcast. Absolutely. They, yeah, they introduced us to the whole podcasting world. They mm-hmm. told us what equipment we should buy. And they've been uh, plugging us to all of their bannermen. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you have yet to listen to Boar's Gore and Swords uh, at this point, definitely check them out. You can get yourself caught up on Game of Thrones, the HBO series, and the book before the season two premiere. Uh, in April, I yes. think, is when new episodes of that show are going to be happening. April 1st, I believe. April 1st. Well, unless it's a big joke. <laughs> well, which, which you know be- those tricksters over at HBO. <laughs> um, yes. But you can find Boar's Gore and Swords in the iTunes store. On Twitter, they're at Boar's Gore Swords. Mm-hmm. And uh, Up Yours Downstairs is basically a spinoff of Boar's Gore and Swords. Uh, true. So thanks, guys. We're really hoping we're more of a, uh, a Frasier than a Joey and can uh, really yeah. like preserve your, your internet legacy. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, they, they really are great. I listen to them all the time, and I, I hate everything. He does indeed hate everything. <laughs> so that's a, that's a powerful endorsement. Mm-hmm. Thanks to them uh, plugging us. Their, their listeners have reached out to us. Already we're te- getting people telling us they're excited. Um, we wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Ashley, uh, who tweets, I cannot express how excited I am for your Downton Abbey podcast. Maggie Smith is a straight-up gangsta IMHO. You know, Maggie Smith likes it when you call her Big Mama. <laughs> I did not know that. She does. But I'm glad to have that information. Yeah, in case you're ever, like, in an elevator with her. Yeah, because I would I would get tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. We Another tweet from Dana says, Very excited to hear of your upcoming Downton podcast. I will definitely be listening. I am currently obsessed with that show. As are we, yes. Dana. Welcome. Clearly. Welcome to the club. We are making a whole podcast. <laughs> yes. Because we just can't get enough Downton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, we also got uh, from a listener that I like to call Cousin Jackie because she is my cousin. Ha-ha! <laughs> but <Ba-dum-tsh. laughs> Yes. Uh, she says, I just heard your very special announcement on Boris Gorn Swords. This is magical and awesome. I'm hoping to earn friend of the show status with my witty and insouciant comments. Well, uh, we hope that too, Jackie, if you can overcome the class barriers that separate us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you are already relative of the show. So yes. Yeah, so if we've that. learned nothing else from uh, Downton Abbey, it's that <laughs> being related to people will get you pretty far in life. <laughs> yes, indeed it will. Yeah, but I mean, it's fantastic. It means a lot to us to know that we've already got listeners and people following us on Twitter before we even recorded this first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have yet to come up with a cute nickname for our fans. Uh, so please hit us up with some suggestions. Like, I was trying to come up with some, and I was like, the footman, um, the corset tighteners. Uh, the, the, the help. Yeah, the help. Yeah, well, um, they all, those all seem people. pretty demeaning. Yeah. Lords and ladies just seems like too much, too much of a mouthful. Yeah. And I, mean, I want to, I want a one word, you know, just pow. All right. That says, we're awesome. Well, then I guess uh, I, I will have to call on the listeners themselves, yes, I suppose. Yes, so uh, otherwise we're just going to keep calling you, hey, you guys, and <laughs> nobody likes that. Yeah, it's just going to be weird and uncomfortable for yeah. everybody, so so help us out with that. Yeah, you can email us at upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, or you can tweet at us. We are at 
five, the number five, That's Maggie、right. Smiths. At five Maggie Smiths、mm-hmm. is where we can be reached on Twitter. So、uh, let's do a little,、uh, little bit of housekeeping here, right, real、yeah. briefly.、Uh, see if maybe Tom can stop belching into the microphone <laughs> during gonna, our very important podcast. I was, was going to edit that out later. But oh now guess, well, now I guess we're stuck with it. I guess we are. <laughs> Boom! Way to be Score one,、everybody. one for Kelly. <laughs> ah, I'm very competitive, even in podcasting.、Uh, so yes, so I want to talk a little bit about our spoiler policy. We are kind of assuming that you probably have already seen the entire series,、uh, right. for you are probably the same sort of unscrupulous people as we, <laughs> who have illegally streamed all of series two and the infamous Christmas special. Yeah.、Um, however, for the purposes of this discussion, we want to keep it pretty spoiler free. So if you could、uh, try to refrain from spoiling past. The current episode on our Twitter feed or Facebook, we would very much appreciate that because there might be some noobs out there、yeah. uh, who don't want to get spoiled, and we try to respect that. Yeah, we're actually we're actually much more welcoming than we act. Yeah, we're、so. very nice people. It's just oh, you know, we got hurt. Uh, early in life, we were jilted. Yeah, we were jilted by the sixth sense, and so、uh, we're very sensitive to your needs. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so we'll be watching and. We say with just the current episode, which is unfortunately a little bit complicated yeah, because yeah. The,、uh, the episodes are broken down differently in Britain versus America.、Uh, so we will be using、uh, the British version, not only because we're pretentious, but also because that's the version we saw because that's what's streaming on Netflix. And it、uh, it, it breaks the episodes down into slightly more manageable chunks, so、Indeed. you don't want to have a three hour podcast here. Yes. So we're gonna we're nobody, gonna try and be respectful of your time. Nobody wants that. No, you、yeah. really don't. Yeah.、Um. So yeah,、um, yeah, and、uh, another interesting thing in the、uh, American version versus the British because version. because we have watched we're very thorough. Okay, we、oh, want、right. you to understand we've watched the streaming on Netflix version and we've watched the version、uh, that you can see streaming currently on、uh, PBS dot org. Right. Yes, that is a good option and that is frequently replayed because they're PBS. What else do they have? You know, <laughs> they they can't show Arthur twenty four hours a day.、Do、they still have Antiques Roadshow. Is that? I don't know.、On? Used to watch that show. Well, you're weird. <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs>、um, so yeah,、uh, but、uh, apart from being broken up slightly differently, and and also being,、uh, there are a couple scenes that'll be in one and not the other. Like yeah, we'll we'll address、scenes. that when we get there. So,、uh, but they also gave us an introduction. <laughs> uh, they apparently thought that us American、uh, viewers were too dumb to understand.、Uh, Anything, anything, really? Yes. I mean, honestly, Britain about、uh, you know mainly about entailment,、mm-hmm. a word which seemed to frighten somebody at PBS HQ.、Um, yeah, despite so- appearing in the episode <laughs> no less than five separate times. Yes, and being clearly explained. But the point is, before we get into the show, we get a、uh, little montage、uh, explaining everything that happens for the first few episodes of the series,、mm-hmm. and then we get Laura Linney. Oh, Laura Linney, of course. Laura Linney, friend of the PBS viewer, <laughs> apparently so. <laughs>、um, for whatever reason, was selected to stand in a weird all red background and、uh, just explain a bunch of basic facts about、uh, Britain at the time, which are all pretty obvious if you have any sort of. Down Nabby is not sophisticated. Okay, yes, this is not like the wire levels. Of sophistication being required to understand the story. Yeah,、absolutely. I mean everything that happens is very clearly delineated、mm-hmm. within the plot. Yeah,、uh, but Laura Linney is there just to stand in this creepy, you know, all red room and, <laughs> and 
state things that are going to be explained not five minutes later right in the context of the show yeah. and it's it's just a weird setup like she suddenly will start walking around or towards the camera and it's like swaying back and forth she's on a ship clearly <laughs> yes no that she's, oh, on, you know, she's on the good ship condescension that's that's true i mean it, it she's that would make sense that she would be on a ship given the events that began the show uh-huh which I suppose we might as well uh, jump into here. Well, we forgot to talk about Laura Linney's terrible joke. Oh, you're right. She, uh, she's talking to us about what entailments are. <laughs> yes. And how British lords would go over to America and marry heiresses because they were land rich and they had an estate, but they didn't have any cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she says the, uh, the lords had title, tradition, and a cash flow problem. And she just like <laughs> she just like looks straight into the camera like uh uh, uh, uh yeah. you see what I did there <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm like oh they had a cash flow problem like Laura Linney clearly has in the present day <laughs> like why is she doing this yeah and it's like that's not even a joke that was just a statement of the dilemma they had yeah like, like it's I, not really like it's it's funny in that they're rich and they might not be rich anymore which I always find to be hilarious because <laughs> I am the ninety nine percent yeah but. Uh, anyway. Maybe if I was a regular PBS viewer. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's a bunch of cash flow humor. Which I'm not ever since Antiques Roadshow went all commercial. That's <laughs> not true. Orbit Gum presents Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> you know what would really clean up this antique lamp? Some Orbit Gum. <laughs> Dirty antique? <laughs> clean it up with Orbit Gum. Except, pro- listen, if you're at home, do not try to clean your antiques <laughs> with Orbit gum because all you're going to do is completely ruin the value. Yes. All right? I I, I endorse Good. this plan. Good. Okay. Look, we've got that out- public service announcement taken care of. Yes. Let's get into this episode. Let's all right. do it. All right. Well, let's do it. All right. So we start off with a telegraph clicking. Oh, my God. It's very dramatic. <gasps> Kind of for all the viewers out there that know Morse code, you know it's already giving yeah, the story spo- away. They, re- what they really should have said spoilers in Morse code <laughs> and then done the thing. You know they they should have, and for all we know, did. That's a good point. Um, and uh, yeah, then then shortly after that, we just see a train rolling along, uh, carrying a, a, a person on a journey. A person's going somewhere. Yes, and probably. That's- to Downton Abbey. Yes. I uh, would think. Yes. And so that's that's what they've got going on under the credits. And while that train travels, perhaps we can discuss what we expect to find here at Downton Abbey. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was excited because I did love Manor House when it was mm-hmm. on. Uh, the, the reality show. The reality show. And I don't know. Uh, I, I hated Gosford Park the first time that I saw it because it had a very bad marketing campaign. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and I did not have correct expectations going in. But I don't know. It's a very fascinating time period, this time period. It is. Uh, you know, we're coming out of the Victorian age, going into the Edwardian era and, you know, the modern era. I mean, World War One really kicked off uh, far more sophisticated methods of killing people. So yes. no, it, it exciting really... things are bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, because the that's, I mean, they, they pretty much say that, you know, the, the sinking of the Titanic mm-hmm. was the end of the Victorian age. It was what it made everybody say, oh, maybe things won't just keep getting better forever automatically. Well, and it really is the beginning of the decline of the class system mm-hmm. um, and, and the decline of the British Empire in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. You look at the sinking of the Titanic, and after that, you know, they get in World War One, they get in World War Two, they finally 
the you know, lose all their colonies. to lose their yeah. stranglehold on India. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of, you know, they settle in for, uh, you know, tea and crumpets and Tony Blair eventually. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. After a brief pit stop at Margaret Thatcher, which <laughs> if you want to know a completely stupid retelling of that story, go see The Iron Lady starring <laughs> Meryl Streep. I'm sure she's very good. Sure. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I go into this expecting to like it. I like, yeah. I like pretty outfits. I like, uh, <laughs> seeing class conflict. I do, I do like people staring wistfully into the middle distance, you know? It's true. This is really a home run for me. This whole Downton Abbey thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I felt pretty much the same way, I have to admit. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did in fact like Oscar Park. Well, I liked it, I liked it on subsequent viewings. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not that first time. Yeah. Well, I, but yeah. I was young and probably stoned, so. <laughs> That's entirely. I, I don't trust that person's opinion anymore. It's entirely possible. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so I like Oscar Park. I, as you know, liked Manor House as mm-hmm. well. And it's, you know, it's, it's a whole time period that, you know, just seeing it's, it's, close enough to us that we can recognize it but there's still this sort of class system that is really and i think that probably less so in britain i think they're they're a little closer to it than we are right but just the the absolute division of the classes mm-hmm. you know in a way that's just sort of accepted by everybody it's like the city in the city <laughs> it <laughs> you you may be the only person to make that analogy but it's well, uh I think it's a solid analogy. I, and moreover, I think China Mieve <laughs> would agree with me. I, I think you're right. He uh, is very pretentious. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's let's get into the recap. All uh, right. Let's just discuss what happened in the show. So uh, in, in the first section, this particular episode is divided into three sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get an introduction to the below stairs people. See them all running around. Doing yelling at each other, uh, you know, being cranky. And uh, we we find out that some horrible thing has happened. Uh, they get the the daily newspaper and something has happened, and they're all, "Oh, is it true? Is it true?" And people yeah. are like, blah, "Blah blah 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 blah." Yeah. And you're like, "Shut up! What happened?" <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, except that they have given you a helpful screen cap that it's April 1912. Right. So, so what happened? So <laughs> those of us who saw Titanic four times, which is everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're kinda, Guilty as charged. Uh, yeah. In the kinda, theaters. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of prepped on yeah, that. Yeah, so we kind of, you know, it's very much a, a dramatic irony. Yes. Uh, so we meet uh, the Lord of the Manor, Lord Grantham, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Robert, a.k.a. the Earl of Grantham, uh, because apparently the higher you up, higher up you are in the aristocracy, the more complicated your name gets. Yes. Um, you know, we're not quite to like Russian novel levels of complication, <laughs> but it's still pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we meet him and his, uh, devoted dog, who I believe is named Pharaoh. All right. And, uh, didn't catch that, but I believe Well, you. I didn't either, but I have the internet. <laughs> that you do. Anyway, uh, so he's at his breakfast table reading the newspaper and saying, Oh my God, the Titanic has sunk. And, uh, you know, he's explaining to the butler, uh, who is named Carson, yes. incidentally, uh, explaining to his butler that they probably will know some people uh, on it. And then two of his daughters come in uh, to the breakfast room. Mm-hmm. They are Mary and Edith. You can tell one is older because she's very pretty. And then you can <laughs> tell one is younger because it's kind of like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's. did you like, ooh. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's not happy about it. No, she's not. I will, look, I wouldn't be either. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they come down. Uh, Edith, being the more homely daughter, gets the unfortunate reaction 
I thought it was supposed to be unsinkable. At which point I said, fuck you, Edith. <laughs> uh, and then a third daughter comes in. Uh, her name is Sybil, and she hands her father a telegram, which no one seems to think that's unusual. Like, I don't know how how many telegrams they would be getting at this point in history. Yeah. But it would seem that you would have at some point a pause where you're like, ah. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, because it's like, if it's, a, like, if it's not that big a deal, they would have just sent a letter, you know? But then I'd, but then we don't really know what we're talking we about. We weren't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, Lord Grantham opens the telegram and immediately leaves the table with not so much as a, hey, this is what was in the telegram to his daughters. Yeah, he just bolts. He just leaves, and I'm like, that's weird. Um, but it kind of makes sense because he goes up to his wife's room where she is being served breakfast in bed by her lady's maid, O'Brien. Here's where we point out that Lady Grantham is played by Elizabeth McGovern. Uh, who will here for to be referred to on this <laughs> podcast as McGee, because I have willed it so. Yes. So he goes into McGee's room, and she's reading uh, her lady's newspaper, the, which is... The Daily the Sketch. The Daily Sketch, which is clearly for women's more delicate sensibilities. <laughs> right. So, like, there's a picture of the Titanic, but, like, before it sank. <laughs> right. Um, and she's being all upper class, like, oh, how terrible... Uh, unfortunately, it's much more terribler than she could have anticipated. Yes. Because on the Titanic were Patrick and James, who were uh, the cousins of Lord Grantham. Right. There were his cousin and his his cousin's yes. son. Yes. James was the cousin. Patrick was the son of the cousin. Yeah. Uh, they were both on the Titanic. Uh, they got on the Titanic without telling anybody. Yeah. Which seems like a stupid move. Well, it, it, Although it there is a cinematic me. precedence here, you know, <laughs> because in right. the movie Titanic, but Jack I, wasn't supposed to be there and he died. I, but I don't believe that uh, Lord Grantham's cousin won it in a poker game. You don't so know. They don't get I, into that. You know, you're right. Uh, it's, it's his never name revealed. was James, and his son's name was Patrick. And if you lied enough letters, <laughs> you get Jack. So I get, uh, QED, I, they're dead. I think you've proven it. Yes, I think I have excellent logic. <laughs> um, yes, so they are dead, and that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Because they were both to inherit Downton each in turn. So uh, this pretty much stinks for Lord Grantham and his family for reasons that will be explained later. Yes. Uh, anyway, O'Brien, being a good uh, lady's maid, is dismissed. And then she goes and immediately gossips with all the other maids and tells them what's going on. Right, right, right. Um, and then the stupid maid... Uh, <laughs> yes. The stupid maid says, I thought Lady Mary was the heir. Uh, because she is one of this show's many, many vehicles for exposition. Right. And O'Brien explains that Lady Mary cannot inherit, stupid, because she is a girl and girls do not inherit. Right. Uh, this is all part of the entailment Laura Linney has told you so much about already. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so, you know. Uh, Miss O'Brien explains what's going on. Yeah. And then the three ladies, uh, O'Brien, the ladies made Anna, who is the head housemaid, mm-hmm. and, uh, Gwen, who is only referred to by name once in this episode, I would point out. Yeah. Uh, so for a while, she was just the nameless ginger. Right. But, uh, they run into, oh, why it's the fellow we saw on the train! Who thought he would show fancy, up in this house? Fancy meeting him at Downton Indeed. It's shocking. It is. Uh, So he is there to be his lordship's new valet. Yes. Which is the male equivalent of the lady's maid, a little butcher. (laughs) Uh, He's in charge of fastening cufflinks and brushing hairs off of his lordship's shoulders and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
What is shocking about this man, however, Tom? Yes. He walks with a cane. What? He walks with a cane. Yes. And this is, you may not be shocked if you're listening at home, but rest assured, everybody in Downton Abbey, it's it's just unbelievable how stunned they are by the fact that a man with a cane... And angry. Yeah, and angry. They're stunned, and I would say they're more angry than they are stunned. They're like, how can you go around with your cane acting like you're a real person? Yeah, it is. Like, it's just, yeah. This demonstrates the need for uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act and possibly the <laughs> World Citizens with Disabilities yeah. Act. Yeah. Uh, it's really very, very shocking yeah. uh, to see this kind of play out. Yeah. Um, so O'Brien is uh, a real bitch about it. Yes. And is all, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you here? Uh, Anna, the head housemaid, is very, very nice to him and yes. welcomes him. Gwen, for some reason, says nothing, having discharged her expository <laughs> purpose for this scene. Right. Um, Listen, Julian Fellows will figure out who Gwen is at a later date. Yes. Uh, this is the pilot for all intents and purposes. <laughs> Not all of the kinks have been ironed out yet. Yes. Uh, so the, the lame valet, whose name is Mr. Bates, mm-hmm. uh, he goes to meet Carson, the butler. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also meets Thomas, who is the first footman and who has been acting valet uh, up until this point. Yes. And I mean, literally everyone on the staff is just, I mean, you would think that he walked in with like his dick hanging out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is That's just, how offended they are. Yeah, I mean, they just, and, and they're all just like, cripple, go home! Like, they don't understand how this happened. Yeah. They think there must be some sort of, you know, scam going on here where his lordship didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone but Anna. Anna remains very kind to he, Mr. Bates. Yes. Um, anyway, so they send him off to go to his room, and which unfortunately, uh, Downton Abbey has 4,000 stairs, and they're all <laughs> like, are you going to make it cripple? And he's like, I'm sure I'll manage just fine, and it's all very difficult to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, we, then we see uh, Mary, the eldest daughter, talking to her father, and her father says, hey, Patrick is dead, because as it turned out, she was going to marry Patrick so mm-hmm. that Downton Abbey uh, could stay in the family. Yes. Uh, she's kind of a bitch about it. <laughs> she is, she is not very sad. She is concerned about having to go into full mourning as his fiance. I don't know what the difference between that is, but people well, still would go into British. mourning. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I don't, yeah. uh, Lord Grantham is kind of upset that she's not more upset. Yes. And kind of understandably so. Well, yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't know. Maybe she was acting like she liked him more previously. Maybe. But it's I, yeah, possible. But I don't know. Uh, we have uh, Thomas, acting valet, first footman, showing Mr. Bates the ropes yes. of being the valet. Uh, O'Brien and Thomas uh, get together and complain about the fact that Mr. Bates is crippled. This is going to happen a lot. It is their light motif in Downton <laughs> yeah. Abbey, the opera. <laughs> and uh, then we see uh, McGee and Lord Grantham taking a walk around the grounds, discussing the entailment. So here's the deal. Yes. When Lord Grantham... Married McGee. She was an heiress and he got all of her money. That money was then legally tied to Downton Abbey. And uh, Lord Grantham's father was very uh, diligent in terms of making sure that that money was entailed along with the rest of the estate, meaning it can only go to the next male heir. Yes. Uh, which one can only assume was some sort of weird measure to make sure that uh, McGee did not divorce him like nobody does in yeah. Victorian well, anywhere. Yeah, that or it was 
I, I get the impression that it was more about making sure that whoever wound up being Lord oh, would still get wasn't the house. Penniless. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's slightly more noble than yeah. my previous feeling. But it's still kind of assy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in any case, that that is how it works. Yes, like, that is how it works. Then uh, Carson shows up and informs the couple that the Dowager Countess has arrived. <gasps> <gasps> Why, who? Shh, shh, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Anyway, McGee is all like, because that's mainly what she does. Yes. Um, and then, so she goes and she goes to see the Dowager Countess, who's played by <gasps> Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Okay. So we've recovered from that. Yes. And so the Dowager Countess, whose first name is Violet, mm-hmm. uh, she has a conversation with McGee about this entailment. Uh, she's very concerned about, you know, what's going to happen to Mary, essentially, right, because right. Mary's... At this point, the daughters Mary's, are out in the cold. Yeah, the daughters, you know, they're, they're going to get something in the will, but it's not going to be enough to maintain their lavish, pointless lifestyle. Right. Um, so basically, we get the impression that McGee and the Dowager Countess have not been buddy-buddy up to this point. They have been kind of at odds. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they decide to work together. They're going to smash the entailment. That they're is gonna their just, plan. They're going to get rid of it. They do not like it because it turns out now there is a new heir uh, who is Lord Grantham's third cousin once removed. Yes. And that's all we know about him at this point. Yes. Um, but, you know, so it's just basically a complete stranger. Right. They have right. no clue who this dude is except that he's like very, very distantly related. Yeah. Yeah. So then we, we go back downstairs mm-hmm. and uh, Carson's blowharding about how great the Crawleys are. The Crawleys... That is the family name. Yes. So all of the all of the women are known, except for Lady Grantham. The daughters right. are all known as you know Mary Crawley, Edith Crawley, Sybil Crawley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Carson is blowharding about how great they are. Yeah. Uh, and then, as if on cue, to immediately contradict how <laughs> how genteel and mannered they are, Lord Grantham suddenly appears below stairs, which simply isn't done. Yes. Uh, and the servants are all at lunch. I'm sorry, luncheon. Lunch <laughs> apparently is not a. Uh, contraction that's been invented yet yeah um so he comes down and they're all like ah because you don't this is not done yeah they're uh, all, well they all have to stand up they all have to stand like up and it's you know food is flying everywhere it's very <laughs> awkward uh and he goes and he he greets bates and calls him his old uh comrade in arms mm-hmm. much to the surprise of everybody who's been giving bates the stink eye <laughs> since he arrived yes they're all like burr, 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 burr. Hmm, what what hmm? <laughs> And uh, Lord Grantham is just like, oh, just making sure you're settling in. You know, great to have you here. I will, uh, you know, see you later. And so then he takes off and everybody is just like slack jawed looking at Bates. He gets, he gets a pretty good uh, zinger and he, he closes yeah. out this scene and he's smiling. And he says, oh, well, you never asked. <laughs> and uh, so that takes us to the end of the first third yes. of this episode. So, that's so we've, we're we've met most of the characters. Let's review just very quickly. The characters who, who didn't get in, introduced in sort of like the main action. Right. There's the, uh, the, the cook. The cook. Mrs. Patmore. Mrs. Patmore, yes. She she's, is. She's crazy. Uh, yeah. standard very, issue British cook. Yeah. Yeah. Just running around and yelling all the time and Irish. And very that. much like the cook in Mary Poppins, in fact. I can only assume that you are correct. I am so correct. <laughs> all right. Uh, there is uh, Daisy, who is the scullery maid. Yes. And primarily works with uh, Mrs. Patmore. Yes. And she actually... She she's she's the on... other exposition proxy yes. for some reason. She is apparently dumb as a post mm-hmm. in 
I would say dumber. <laughs> Some posts will tell you which way to go to get places. <laughs> I don't that, think Daisy could do that. That is a very good point. Um, yes, yeah, so we've met Daisy, uh, and as the scholarly maid, she must kind of stay out of sight of the family. Yeah, at all she's times. like lowest ranking. Yes. She's not allowed to be seen by anybody important. It's, because uh, if they do, then, then they'll turn to stone. I don't know. Well, society would collapse. There'd be some kind of Marxist revolution. Something would I, happen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we also have met the second footman, William. Yes. Uh, who is, we've gathered at this point, much nicer than Thomas, the first footman. Yes. Um, also uh, does not appear to be the brightest. Yeah, kind of a dim bulb. Yeah. Which, and, and we, I mean, all we've really seen of him at this point is just like, like he's had very few lines or whatever. But what, what you'll find, what we found in this, like throughout this first episode, first impressions are pretty much right on. Yeah. Like we get a look at O'Brien's face. And yeah, like, and you're like, ah! you're like, oh, you're like, oh, what a bitch! Yeah, and then, pure and then evil. She is. Yeah, she is. So, yeah, yeah again, Downton Abbey, not hard to understand. PBS, yeah, don't need Laura Linney. <laughs> yeah. Really don't. It's all pretty black and white. Um, yeah, are there any characters that we're missing? I, I, think, I think that's. that's I think it's everybody. Yeah, I think we covered everybody. Yeah. there. so that's your basic uh, cast of characters up to this point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I guess you know, and then it's sort of like. uh you know, what are we liking? Who are we liking? Um, I mean, at this point, I mean, Maggie Smith, I mean, duh. Well, right. And like, her intro, her I, I intro don't think is, we exactly uh, explain. Yeah, so we, we leave the previous scene mm-hmm. with Lord Grantham being like, oh, be sure to tell her about James and Patrick. She won't have heard. Yeah. And then we cut to Maggie Smith. And she goes, of course I've heard. She, and she's already in full morning. Full morning. Yeah. She, she does bam. not miss a trick. She had it laid out, ready to go. Uh-huh. Well, and, at her age. <laughs> yeah, I suppose You know, you've got to be ready to go into full morning at any time. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, she's been around. Yeah. But she's just fantastic oh, and imposing. I mean, she just, she's so, she just so draws the eye. I mean, she's really just tearing it up with this role yeah and i mean and, and elevates the material yeah because julian fellows is so not the wit that he thinks he is mm-hmm. you know he he is just terrible at writing jokes yeah there's several in even in just in this first part there's uh what's her name o'brien o'brien yeah it's more than a shame it's a complication in reference to the heirs having died. And I'm like, Ugh. like, was that supposed to be funny? Because it mainly just comes across as being awful. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine for her character. <laughs> right. But it was supposed to be this little, like, Oscar Wilde gem that Julian Fellows which came up with. Which, it was really, it, you know, it was more like, you know, those, like, pebble polishing kits you get as a kid? It was like the unrefined <laughs> geode that you get in that. You're like, oh, like, I see how maybe if, maybe if I was drunk enough, that would be funny. But I'm just not. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, beyond that, it looks like really like we talk about the entail a fair amount, but there's it's not there's not much that like we just find out that it exists. I mean, really, what we're hooked into at this point, at least for me, is Mr. Bates. Yeah. You know, because that's something that's going on right now, and it has like this human face on it, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's so like hostile towards him from the beginning, and he is never hostile no he's he's he is like jesus yeah he is like crippled jesus (laughs) (laughs) he's just nice to everybody he is he doesn't want any special treatment uh in even in the face of four thousand stares yeah he he just whatever you know more power to him you know he meets lord grantham is is has apparently been very good friends with him 
because they they fought together in uh, the Boer War. That is, is correct. The, in the continuity of the show, is the only war, and is later confirmed. Yes, uh, for them to have fought in. Yes, uh, which segs nicely into our next segment, which is a little a little ditty we like to call "Tom Repeats History." Where our resident pedantic know-it-all, that would be me, Tom Schneider, is going to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some pertinent historical factoids. Right. Uh, so yes, as as Kelly mentions, our our little historical factoids today are about the Boer War. The Boer War. Yes, which is, as you should be aware, B O E R, not a war about pigs. Um, which would be B O A R right. for anyone keeping score. <laughs> right. But this this was a war against the uh, the Boers, who were a uh, a group of uh, white settlers of Dutch descent in South Africa is who they were. Oh, so they were pigs. <laughs> they, Fascist pigs. They 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 were rather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is true. Although I guess they would probably pale in comparison to the Brits. So <laughs> it's hard to say. Yes, uh, but it, the the war was uh, about well, it was about more than just crippling valets. Oh, was it? Yes, Aww. there was actually uh, really what happened. It was actually the second Boer War. Um, it's the one that people are most familiar with. The mm-hmm. first one had been about twenty or thirty years earlier, and the British lost uh, pretty handily and mm-hmm. were like, "Fine, we didn't want South Africa anyway, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, and then fifteen years later, they discovered gold in South Africa, and Britain said, "Oh, you know what? We when we check, <laughs> we still own South Africa. Yeah. Give us all your gold." And so it they uh, they fought the Boers over it, and it was just a really vicious war, like. Beyond what people had had at the time, because it, it devolved into guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, the British were like hurting all the Boers. Guerrilla, and- not like gorilla. <laughs> yes, again, to clarify. I would love to see a war between gorillas and Boers. <laughs> I think that would be a real fun thing to watch. I think you are right. I think we should get on that. But in the meantime, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, a guerrilla war. King um, Kong versus uh, Pumbaa. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I got to say, I think King Kong is going to be the heavy betting favorite ah, in that particular battle. Yeah, but we're going to have him throw the fight. Oh, <laughs> edit that part out. <laughs> anyway, continue talking about this. If only I knew how to edit. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so the, the British did eventually win by, among other things, herding all the Boers into camps until they finally had them all in a camp. Boy, that's ironical. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. Um, but then they wound up not being able to hold on to it about 10 years later. Before we even meet Lord Grantham, uh, South Africa was basically independent again. Huh. So it was a war, like most wars, that was fought for no reason and accomplished nothing. Well, except for crippling Mr. Bates. Right. Which... It, <laughs> creates a situation rife with drama for the contemporary viewer. Right. It's worked out very well for us. Yes. Um, in, and it worked, I mean, it had a few other after effects as well. Um, the word commando comes from the Boer War, uh, was what the Dutch oh. guerrillas called themselves. Cause they didn't wear underwear? Uh, that is one theory. Uh, <laughs> my theory. theory is that it's just a Dutch word that they happen to use, uh-huh. but I, I like the underpants one. Yeah. Um, uh, but in any case, the British were so impressed by them that they just took that name and used it for their own special forces. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, except when you're being shot at. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is correct. Um, uh, the Boy Scouts were started during the Boer <gasps> War, or were inspired by the Boer War, oh. uh, Lord Baden-Powell. <gasps> OMG! Yes. I know all about him and his French with Juliet Gordon Lowe. Yes. Which led to the founding of the Girl Scouts, which are far <laughs> superior to the Boy Scouts on account of cookies. That is correct. Yes. But he, he saw the British getting their butts kicked at times during the Boer War and decided that the problem was that they didn't know how to tie a half hitch properly 
And well, it's probably because they had servants to do it for them. <laughs> I, I think you're right. In fact, uh, so so that's how the Boy Scouts were born. And and actually, uh, two of the most famous people of the 20th century kind of got their starts, if you will, in the Boer War. Uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, who I believe was a reporter covering the war, but, but he Intriguing. was there in some capacity. Um, and so he, he learned all about, you know, firm British resolve and against the enemy and all that sort of you thing. You know, and I actually, in the course of my own research, I found out something interesting about him in his time in the military. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not sure which conflict this is mm-hmm. for, but I mean, mm-hmm. it used to be regulation in the British military that you had to have a mustache. Huh. You could not be an officer and not have a mustache. Wow. Unfortunately, Winston Churchill was unable to grow facial hair. <laughs> he tried and tried, and he couldn't do it. Wow! So you know, I'm not. He must have gotten some sort of dispensation. I, like, I uh, guess so. You know, sorry, old chap. <laughs> Gave it me best try, but so uh, so yeah. So we all know that that uh, he overcame that. Uh, yes, obstacle. and and rose to very high yeah. heights. Um, so that's, that's what Churchill came away with. And actually Gandhi as well. Uh, really? he was, he was, worked as a stretcher bearer during the war, hmm. uh, where he learned the valuable lesson that, uh, white people suck. <laughs> which we do suck. We do. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where did you, right. where did you do your research? Uh, oh, I did my research on Wikipedia, ah. which, which is a very good point. Uh, not all of my research may be accurate because, uh, at one point when I was reading about the Boer War, I was informed that one of the battles in it was the Battle of Penises. <laughs> which, I'm fairly certain it's not true. Oh man, I wish it was. <laughs> it was Winston Churchill and a commando. Going commando! <laughs> that, I wish that was true, but I'm afraid somebody oh, thought they were funny. God. That's what we'll call it when we do our King Kong versus Pumbaa. The <laughs> Battle of the Penises. <laughs> you know, it's like those birthday cards that just say sex. <laughs> now that I've got your attention. Now that I've got your attention, here's King Kong fighting a cartoon boar. <laughs> yeah, man. It's the element of surprise. <laughs> I think that gets attention on its own. I'm going to get in touch with brown paper tickets immediately following <laughs> this podcast recording. Yes. But before we do that, we uh, we have to uh, keep recapping here. That's true. There's so much. There's an unbelievable yeah, amount of stuff. Yeah, this is like, that first chunk is pretty straightforward. Yeah. I'm going to try to get through the rest of this without being the micro-machine guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's unbelievable, like, for how little the plot actually moves forward, how many scenes, how many location changes, how much I will have to explain to you. Um, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to try to condense as much as we can and get through this because you probably have already watched it. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's just, wow. It's just a lot, a lot of conversations, <laughs> a lot of talking. Yeah, a uh, lot of people. I, I feel like I should be charging Downton Abbey an hourly fee <laughs> for how much they talk. Um, so we, we jump forward in history. Yes. And uh, we jump to July. July. Uh, so we are three months, three months away from uh, April when yep. we started. Yeah, more or less. And so, of course, we open uh, with Daisy, the scullery maid, being verbally abused. That's kind of her thing. Yes. Um, she's she's told to move some poison, so I'm sure that's not going to come back again. Right. And uh, we all immediately think, well, that's the poison taken care of. Yep. 
poison done with dumbest girl in doubt nabby's been assigned to take care of it you know it'll get mm-hmm. taken care of yep yeah so i have no worries on that score oh, right uh we cut to the the memorial service that is being given for james and patrick right and we learn that there has been a memorial service for them in london prior to this and now they're doing this one at their local church but yeah. they aren't doing a funeral because there are no bodies right um, uh, we meet the, the Crawley's, uh, solicitor slash lawyer and his name is, what's his name? Uh, it was with, uh, I always just want to call him. I am the walrus because <laughs> right. he's got a spectacular, he he's, could really, uh, eat he, your heart out. Winston Churchill. Yeah. This guy has yeah. a sweet Victorian era mustache yeah. that is a wonder to behold. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, What's his name? What's his name? Murray? Yeah. Murray. Murray. Okay, Murray, not yeah. I am the walrus. No. Got it. I it will is... try and remember. <laughs> yeah. Um But so he is uh he's walking up at the front of the party with Lord Grantham and telling him basically, uh yeah, that entailment. Your dad basically like made it ironclad and then gave it to like the kraken to protect like there's just no getting in there there's no yes. angle you can come at this mm-hmm. that's good um so you know that's what they talk about on the way to back to the house yes um we spend a little time with the girls uh the daughters uh edith is is crying very visibly yes. at a time when crying in public simply is not done. As so it would seem. Uh, yes. I mean, Mary, she's certainly the only one. Yeah, she's the only one crying. Uh, Mary yells at her, like stone cold bitch faced yells at her. Yes. Tells her to stop crying because Patrick was her fiance after all. Yeah. Uh, which considering how excited we saw she was about marrying him, <laughs> right. you'd think she might have a little perspective. I but. mean, Mary does everything with stone cold bitch face. She is, yeah. yeah. I mean, which, woo. although I have to say that unlike, say, O'Brien, like, I enjoy it with Mary. Oh, uh, well, because like, she's, you know, she's, she's very attractive. Well, I, like, that certainly helps. And she's just like, she's tall and attractive well, and there's rich not even, and, that's the thing though, there's not even any malice behind it. She is just, yeah. Yeah. She is, there is just some part of her missing. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> like the part of her that feels empathy yeah. is just not there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very, but it's, it is, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, she's saying what we wish we could say to people who annoy us. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have that little interlude and, uh, then we see a little, oh, guess what comes back downstairs? Uh, the poison. What the poison? The poison turns out Daisy sent it upstairs to be sprinkled on some chicken. What? what Daisy? Yeah, because and she finds out because Mrs. Patmore yells at her because there's some eggs that were supposed to be sprinkled on the chicken. Uh, Which is weird, actually, when you think about it. Like eggs sprinkled on chicken. <laughs> like isn't that kind of disturbing? <laughs> it. It is, and I'm not going to take that metaphor any farther because it is gross. I guess I shouldn't have thought about it. Well, I wish you hadn't, (laughs) but here we are, so let's just move forward. Um, Daisy's wigging out because, you know, if the poison gets sprinkled on the chicken, she is going to kill a bunch of people, and that's bad. She'll probably lose her job, I would think. I would think so, too. Um, anyway, so she's trying I, to find... I don't think she has a very strong union behind her. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't think so either. Yeah. I think um, she's trying to find somebody to go upstairs and switch the bowls right. back out. Because, because she, again, yeah. if she goes upstairs... Uh, the house will everyone's gonna get incepted or something like i don't know something horrible is going to happen if she goes up there and the other maids are like fuck off 
I have things to do. Like, guess yeah. what? I don't have a whole lot of in this uh, oppressive society. Yeah. Free time on my hands. Exactly. Fortunately, William, using his dim bulbery for good, <laughs> right? He comes back downstairs and he's like, "Uh, wait a minute. Where was I supposed to sprinkle this?" <laughs> and so she swaps out the poison for the egg, and he goes to sprinkle the egg where it should be sprinkled. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's it. You know, Where's the that? brief vaudeville sketch about <laughs> Daisy and the poison has now ended. Yes. Um, we find out that the lawyer is not staying for luncheon. <laughs> and really, like, when McGee says luncheon, I just want to punch her in the nose. Well, she has such a weird voice. Her accent is bizarre. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Well, because, you know, she is in her character. Her character is American. is American. I don't think we made that clear. Right. She was one right. of the American heiresses that the cash flow problem <laughs> having Lord Grantham right. jaunted over the Atlantic Ocean to solve. Yes. Um, but it's just like, I feel like the director was like, oh, you know, your American accent is terrible. And she was like, but I'm from America. And he was like, nope, watch some of our TV and listen to <laughs> right. our weird American accents right. that we no, do. Because she just comes across as somebody with a horrible American accent. Here's this episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> Check it. Um, anyway, so she is just, she is distressed that the lawyer's not staying for the luncheon because she was hoping to talk through the whole entailment and find out how it could perhaps be smashed. Right. Um, and the lawyer's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, he's like, oh, I got nothing for you guys. <laughs> yeah. I need to get back to maintaining my mustache. So, <laughs> bye. It, it takes me 18 hours a day. It does. And worth every second. <laughs> <laughs> He uh he probably gives a lot of mustache rides on that thing. <laughs> oh. Uh gross. He's very old. <laughs> um, so uh then we we jump forward in time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh just till after the luncheon is over, we we have this conversation between Carson and Mrs. Hughes and uh Carson lets her know that nothing's been settled about the entailment. Mrs. Hughes, the housekeeper, by the way. Who I'm oh, not sure gosh, we, we did forgot about her. How can we forget yeah. about Mrs. Hughes? No, she's really great. She is fantastic. She is the head of the female staff. Right. So as Carson is the butler and basically, you know, Carson is, in theory, the, the head of the entire household. It's, I mean, it's like... Carson's the dad and she's the mom Basically. of the household yeah. staff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she's amazing yeah. and spectacular. Yeah. Uh, so he, Carson explains that nothing's been settled and, uh, they have kind of a weird conversation where he calls the, the Crawleys his family, our family. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Hughes is like, uh, bitch, please, they're not my family. Yeah. And he's like, well, they're all the family I've got and it's very awkward. It is. Um, uh, because he has expressed emotion. The one thing you must never do in Downton Abbey. <laughs> Upstairs right. or down. Yeah, it's not acceptable. And she finds out that Thomas has has gone down to the village. So Thomas has gone down to the village. Yeah, so that's good for everybody yeah. to know. Yeah. Good to know, Thomas Village. <laughs> it's happening. Yes. Um, then we have a weird scene that if you're watching on Netflix, you won't have. Right. But if you're watching on PBS, you will have of Edith and her dad being very sad in the library. And it's the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever seen. Well, it's basically... The dad saying, ah, at least somebody's sad for like a few seconds and then being like, wait a minute, you're too sad. Get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Too much. Take it back. So that is a dumb scene. Yes. Uh, wherein again, I said, uh, fuck you, Edith. (laughs) Um, then we go to, uh, McGee chatting with O'Brien in her, in her chambers and, uh, 
O'Brien is complaining about the entail. Also, all of the servants at this point are trolling for information where they can. Yes. Because nothing is ever really directly stated to the staff as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody who has points of contact with the family just try to weasel as much information out of them <laughs> as possible and then pass it on yeah. below yeah. stairs. Um, so O'Brien's complaining about the injustice of the entail and how that's mm-hmm. stupid. Uh, then McGee asks about how Bates is settling in, and uh, O'Brien totally throws him under the bus. The yeah. whatever the nineteen twelve equivalent of a bus would be. The the Hackney Cab. <laughs> she <laughs> throws him under the Hackney Cab. Good, good. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, uh, oh, he's he's not well, and I don't like to speak ill of someone with an affliction. And then, of course, proceeds to speak ill of him. Right, right. And say yeah. he can't do his job. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we go and basically have the same conversation with Lord Grantham and Bates himself. Yes. Uh, he's just asking and making sure all of the work is not too much for Bates. Yes. Uh, Which people, and again, he's been here at this point for three months mm -hmm. and people are still apparently constantly asking him if he's able to do the job. Well, and apparently Lord Grantham wasn't aware of his infirmity. I don't know. I can't remember exactly the deal, but he yeah, asked well, him what he, happened. Well, that's he has that conversation with McGee at some yeah, point. Yeah, which is later. But here he asks yeah. Bates what happened. Ah, and Bates okay, explains yeah, that there yeah. was like a piece of shrapnel in his knee wound that shifted mm-hmm. uh, and that caused his knee to go worse than it had been before. So, mm. uh, you know, that's what happened. And I think yeah. it's weird that it took them three four months to even have this like <laughs> well conversation <laughs> yeah well i mean because it, it's weird either way because the first time that i saw this episode i did not really realize i didn't see the title cards or realize how much time yeah, was that's, passing. so it, it made sense because it seemed like it was only a few days later right it seemed like the whole thing took place in about a week which that wound up being weird in its own way right later but, but yeah yeah for this part it still made sense yeah um yeah, then we get uh, Thomas and O'Brien out smoking in the yard. Uh, here's how you can tell that they are evil. Right. They are the only characters who smoke cigarettes. It's true. Uh, anyway. Also, they you just look at them. Yeah, they just they, got evil they are faces. Just so evil. They're always scowling and yeah, muttering Thomas to each like other. Thomas is a cross between Christian Bale and like uh, like a weasel, <laughs> you know? So like if Christian Bale made it with a weasel, Which, what listen, you get... if it was necessary for his character, oh, he, he would, would do, do it. Oh, he would do it. Yeah. He would. He is hardcore. <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, Just need to find a weasel that's up to starring opposite Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is there like a Juilliard for weasels? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just, uh, just an AMDA. <laughs> um... <laughs> Listen, I hope some of you are failed actors out there because that shit was hilarious. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm or sure even they're... successful ones. You know, we don't discriminate. That would actually be preferable. Yeah. Do you know people? We would love to know some people. Let's do lunch. Uh, anyway, so they're in the yard and they're plotting. And he, Thomas is very upset because he had been the substitute valet. And he wanted to be the real valet. But, like, he didn't ever tell anybody that. Which, to me, look, that's lesson 101 right. you learn in your job skills, you know, course in college or whatever is... If there's something that you want, you need to make sure that someone who's in a position of authority knows about that. Yeah. That is how he became and subsequently failed at being assistant manager at Crabtree and Evelyn. Okay? <laughs> yes. I made it happen, but then I wasn't very good at it. So, yes. well. you know. But anyway, so O'Brien's like, yeah, well, you know, and O'Brien is berating him on that very point. She's like, you really yeah. should have said something. 
Yeah. And um, O'Brien's like, I'm in there every day talking him down. Yeah, every day. And I'm, I'm fulfilling my part of this plotting. And it's not really clear why. Yeah, but, she, like she really seems to like like to, to her and Thomas seem to have a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. Just, just just because it's expedient for the plot. Yeah, they're just because um, for a while I thought that maybe there was something to it. Like not like they're very different ages. So they not, are, like, but you think maybe thing, but, there's some romantic thing that or something. But there doesn't appear to just, be. They just uh, they they just recognize they're a just, fellow a fellow uh, schemer. Yeah, you know, game recognized game. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Thomas expresses a weird thought that perhaps Bates is a spy for Matthew Crawley, the now heir apparent to Downton Abbey, uh, who we discovered previously as a solicitor in Manchester. Of yes. All oh, that's right. We, we discovered that because Murray, the the solicitor, told Lord Grantham Lord that. Lord Grantham that, and Lord Grantham was all like, "Oh, a was- lawyer." Yeah. Like he reacts, well, mainly what he reacts to is that Matthew's, uh, father was a doctor. That's right, yes. And he's all like, how odd that my cousin should be a doctor. Like, doctor? Doc, doctor's pretty good. Yeah. Like, I realize this is before HMOs and all that kind of thing, <laughs> but Jesus, yeah. like, doctors have always been well paid because mm. they are what stand between us mere idiots <laughs> and death. Yeah. Like, and, and he's, he's bashing Matthew for being a solicitor. In front of his solicitor. (laughs) That's like like going to your dentist and being like, oh, I just met my daughter's fiance. He's a goddamn dentist. (laughs) Which is not something you want to say to somebody who has that many sharp implements near such sensitive areas in your mouth. That that's very true. Tip for all you dentist haters out there. <laughs> I know you're out there. That, you're so thoughtful. <laughs> a lot of public service on this podcast. Yes. Um, so then uh, we got a scene with Anna, the head housemaid, uh, doing Mary's hair. Uh, Anna is in part of her duties as head housemaid is that she is basically lady's maid to the three daughters. Right. Um, Who, do they share a bedroom? Like, I do not believe they share a bedroom. I do think that they sh- they don't share a bedroom. Right. Um, but they do share, I think, a dressing room. Okay. I mean, okay. Look, Downton Abbey all... literally has 4,000 rooms. <laughs> right, that's to true. To go with its 4,000 stairs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Anna is explaining the bait situation to them, which, again, seems weird to me that it's literally only coming up for everybody. Like, for, <laughs> like maybe yeah. the house is just too big, and they've only just now passed him at this <laughs> memorial service. They're like, oh, my God. Have that you seen the- Papa? Pa's new valet. Anyway, so Mary continues to be a giant bitch in a highly entertaining fashion. Yes. Uh, Complaining about uh, being in mourning. She has this snipey fight uh, with Edith because Edith apparently really was in love with Patrick, the cousin who was informally engaged to Mary. Yeah. Or, and, uh, uh, at least interested in him. Like, it's, it's never clear to me, like, how much time they had all spent together yeah, or anything yeah. like that. But, but she... Patrick apparently had been there fairly frequently. So yeah, I guess that's enough true. for them to all form yeah. fairly close friendships. I yeah. get the impression that Patrick and his father lived in London most of the time. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they were trying to get this whole, you know, kiss and cousins thing going. So right, right. they probably spent a fair amount of time in the country. Yes. Um, yeah, and so uh, we get we we get a real sense that the sisters don't like each other. Yes, uh, Sybil's kind of the peacekeeper, and Mary and Edith are just constantly at each other. And, yeah. and Sybil is much younger. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that she's that much younger than Edith, but I get the sense that she is very much younger than Mary. Yeah, um, I mean, certainly it's clear that it's Mary versus Edith, and Sybil is a uh, just like she's kind of a neutral third party. Yeah, she's just trying to yeah. kind of help everybody. Um, we get Thomas complaining passive aggressively to Carson about Mr. Bates. 
And uh, Sybil is talking to Mary and saying that she knows Mary is sad about Patrick. And Mary is like, I'm not really sad, but that makes me sad. And we're like, bitch, please. (laughs) That is the oldest, stupidest thing, and I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Bates is is in with uh, Lord Grantham again and proves he can pick up a hairbrush. Yes. Which, unfortunately, doesn't appear to be enough to convince Lord Grantham that he can stay. Well, that's – I mean, again, it's a constant – stream throughout the episode of somebody questioning his ability to do something him doing it and then continuing to question his ability yeah like it it's, just, it's very weird there, there doesn't seem to be anything he can do yeah to convince people well and it's just the it seems the idea that's pervading all of these interactions is the idea that having this lame valet makes downton look bad yeah um, that there's something very un uh ignoble about it yeah that they really shouldn't have this lame valet and that there's this constant fog of what could happen some horrible embarrassing thing mm-hmm. uh that would embarrass both carson as head of household and of course the entire family yeah um so that's sort of the undercurrent of these scenes of which we're not even done with them yet <laughs> i mean i wish i could tell you yeah. this is the last time that this <laughs> no, is gonna it's, happen it's constant discussion what are we how do you solve a problem like mr bates <laughs> is, which actually i do uh, just want to make make take, him a governess problem well, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That that would <laughs> that would shake things up. Yeah, yeah. I do want to just give everybody in Downton Abbey a shout out for saying the words "Mr. Bates" <laughs> five thousand times through the course of this series and never once giggling. Because I got to be honest, <laughs> I giggle every single time. <laughs> he does every time they the couch say, starts shaking. Uh, <laughs> every it's time terrible. they say "Mr. Bates," like <laughs> it's like math. Anyway. Well, they would. It's like self pleasure is more like what they would have said in the time period. Uh, self abuse, I think. Oh, you're right. It was yeah. a very anti sex period, the Victorian era. Yeah. Well, I think things were a little more freewheeling in the Edwardian period. A little bit, but not, I, I mean, not by much. I mean, yeah. you got to figure with corsets. It's very difficult to like deal with the whole thing. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so kudos to the cast and crew. Although we have not yet seen their blooper reel. That's true. So, <laughs> um. Then we get uh, Lord Grantham goes into McGee's dressing room where mm-hmm. O'Brien is putting the finishing touches on her dinner attire. Um, this is still the same day as the memorial service, just to kind of because it is it's hard to tell. Like it's like time. Yeah. It's like it, there is no time in Downton Abbey. Yeah. Like cause, well, and it. I mean, it like there are a ton of scenes, a ton of cuts between scenes. Yeah, I mean that's what makes it so hard to recap. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and it can be difficult to gauge the passing of time right? Uh, if you've only watched it once. But that is why we watched it three times, so <laughs> yes. you don't have to. <laughs> um, so O'Brien gets dismissed, uh, and Lord Grantham and McGee get into this weird fight uh, because McGee is upset that the lawyer didn't stay, and she's also upset because Lord Grantham tells her, you know, things are pretty well fixed. There's really nothing we do about the entail. Right. And so she's upset about that. And then she kind of uses that to sort of start browbeating him about Mr. Bates. And she says that O'Brien mm-hmm. is telling her that uh, Mr. Bates is causing a lot of awkwardness downstairs. Yeah. and this Awkwardness is... being literally the worst thing you can cause in Britain. <laughs> yeah. Worse than a panic. <laughs> worse than a terrorist attack. Right. Awkwardness. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's we, we do really start to see, you know, what you would sort of think is going to be the theme about this is how is the dramas upstairs and downstairs going to affect each other? Yeah. And how we see that, that uh, McGee really sort of takes advantage of this kind of 
not entirely, but kind of just out of a sense of like to get even yeah, over, for the entailment. over the entailment issue. Yeah. Um, so they kind of have this weird spat about it. Yeah. And um, she's very adamant that Bate should leave. She uses the word crippled, which Lord Grantham doesn't care for. He's unhappy about that. Um, no. And I, so, I mean, it's just, you know, we get, I mean, literally like 10 scenes of, you know, <laughs> everybody. Ta- There's just something about Bates. They <laughs> yes. just can't. Oh, they can't stop talking about him. Indeed. Uh, so then we have a scene with Violet Dowager Countess, a.k.a. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Uh, she's come to dinner, and she's having a conversation with her son about the entailment. And we find out some some interesting backstory. We find out that Lord Grantham married McGee expressly for her money. Uh, yes. didn't love her. Yes. Was not really romantically inclined and she agreed to marry him nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, we this, find this is somewhat of a surprise to us because we see, you know, I mean, they've been arguing over some things, but and I mean, things they like have that. generally a pretty, a pretty good looking relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah. So it's kind of a surprise to find out that they married each other for money, but we're finding this information out after this very weird fight. Yes. That doesn't, it, it's kind of a jarring fight. It's a jarring character moment. At least it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out that he married her for her money and Maggie Smith was not happy about this at all. She didn't want him just to marry someone for money. She wanted someone who was a little bit more versed in the ways of running a large estate and kind of someone who had been raised mm-hmm. in this class system, none yeah. of which as an American right. McGee had. Obviously. But, you know, and, and she's very upset about all this and very upset that he's not planning to fight the entailment. Yes. And, uh, which is, which is something that, you know, and I, I always want to be on Maggie Smith's side. Um, but it just seems like, I, it just doesn't seem like that there's anything that Lord Grantham no, can I do mean, about yes. it. And that's and saying mean, fight the inta- like The women are saying that putting up any fight is better than no fight at all. Whereas he is, he is saying, look, we know there's nothing we can do, so let's not waste our time doing right. this. Right. And he makes a really weird speech. It's a very weird period in <laughs> Downton Abbey here. Yeah, yeah. He makes this weird speech because Maggie Smith asks him, don't you care about Downton? And he just flips. Mm-hmm. He goes bonkers. He does. And he says that Downton has been his third parent and his fourth child, which is really creepy incestual, even by British standards. Yeah, even by British standards, you're like, wait a minute. So you, your parents had sex with the house when <laughs> you were born and then gave birth to the house. Like, it's just a very... It's a it's a horrible horrible metaphor. There's some sort of time machine involved. This might be more horrifying than eating eggs on top of chicken. <laughs> um, so yeah, so nothing's really decided. The the other women, the the uh, McGee and the daughters, all come in to the fight, and yeah, yeah. you know they all then go into dinner, and everybody's all like, entailment this, entailment that. Right. Um. So that's uh. That's where we've been. Uh, that's that's July. That is July. I think so. No, it's not July. Oh, it's not? No, there's a little bit more. Sorry. Okay. We All missed right. we missed a step. Carson uh has everybody go clear away the dishes upstairs, so presumably the meal has ended, and uh we catch O'Brien and Thomas plotting yet again. Uh Anna catches them and they have this moment of like, oh, maybe we should stop being so obvious about our plotting. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway, not much happens there. And uh then we see, and it's not clear when this part is happening, but we see the Dowager Countess talking with McGee about how Robert's not going to fight the entail and what mm-hmm. they can do. Mm-hmm. They find out that a young duke, uh, the Duke of... Crowborough. Crowborough? 
Yes. Crowborough. Crowborough. I don't know if that pronunciation is correct. I just found it written down. sounds like a spell or something. So he wants to come and stay at Downton. Perhaps to put a spell on them. Perhaps to put a spell on them. I don't know if dukes are magical or not. Evidently, the only reason this young duke would come to stay is to court and perhaps ask for Mary's hand in marriage. Yes. And they're very concerned because as it stands right now, Mary's prospects are not very good. No. She has very little to offer a prospective mate in the hierarchy of the aristocracy. Right. Uh, she would do much better if she had the estate and the money. Yes. Um, anyway, and they discuss, they really lay it out nicely here and you kind of understand why Lord Grantham is doing what he's doing because mm-hmm. if he separates the estate from the money then they you know mary would get the money but they um they may not be able to keep downton right basically the title would be gone the title would go to this cousin matthew right. and that that that's going to happen regardless mm-hmm. that's not related to the so entail. mary can't possibly inherit the title um and you know so either basically either she gets the money and downton or she just gets the money Right. Uh, so there's a couple scenarios, none of which are particularly great. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Dowager Countess tells McGee to uh, invite the Duke to stay at some point when the girls are all out of mourning. Yes. So that is the end of July. Uh, at this point, I think we need to talk about how amazing Maggie <laughs> Smith is. Very, very amazing. You know, she's a double Oscar winner. That is impressive. Both, I believe, for leading roles, which yeah. is more than you can say about the other acting dames. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, look, let's, let's be real here. Mm-hmm. Maggie Smith eats Helen Mirren for breakfast and then shits out Judy Dench. <laughs> like, that is how great she is. That, then she... wipes her ass with Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Sophie's choice. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, that, but I don't think you can even nominate Maggie Smith for an Oscar anymore. I right. think. I agree. Comparing her to other mortals is just kind no, of a fool's I mean, errand. she is so great. It is unbelievable. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, when she passes on roles, that's when they offer them to Ian McKellen. I, I did not she know that. She was the original choice for both Magneto and Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. That- that is a shame for all of us because I would have liked to see Maggie Smith as as, as Gandalf. I would have liked to – I look, let me be perfectly clear. I would have liked to see Maggie Smith in Baby's Day Out, okay? <laughs> I mean the woman is a monster. She she's is. amazing. She is unbelievable. And one, you can't – you just can't even compare her to anybody else. She's, you can't. She's in, a, in a, league, a literal league of her own. Yes. Yeah. I mean she's just – she's crazy, crazy good. And as such, mm-hmm. every episode – of this podcast that we do, we are going to award Maggie Smith the, uh, the Maggie Smith award. Yeah. Now, which the, is, it's, it's, it's actually, it's more of a rating, I guess, than an yeah, award. Well, cause I mean, what could we possibly give her that she doesn't already have, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a rating. And since, as we've discussed, Maggie Smith can't be compared to anybody else, we're going to rate her on a scale of one to five Maggie Smiths. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. So like one Maggie Smith is like, Maggie Smith is like sleeping, or like in the background of the frame, like not doing much. Right. You know, clearly head and shoulders above everyone else in the scene. Right. But for Still her, dominating. But on her own personal, yeah, on, she's not really bringing it. Yeah. Number three is sort of like when she's in something and like the material is just clearly beneath her. She's not necessarily in her element. Again, yeah. still kicking the ass of everyone else. Right. 
but you know, kind of phoning it in. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting the doing the paycheck. You know, right, this is sort right. of your like sister act, Harry Potter, yeah, kind of kind of stuff. Yes, uh, and look, bring it on, Harry Potter fandom, <laughs> bring it. On, I said it. Listen, you could offer me right now the choice to watch either Sister Act or any of the Harry Potter movies. I would go with Sister Act. Yeah, you would because <laughs> duh. Yeah, come on, people. That movie's amazing. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Sister Act podcast. It's called Hail Holy Queef. Um, because we don't do podcasts if they don't have a dirty thing in the title. Note to self, trademark. <laughs> that name before podcast is published anyway uh so then five maggie smiths is like maggie smith in like gosford park yeah the prime of miss jean brody like yeah maggie at smith her, at the top of her game yeah you know just just balls to the walls maggie smith dumb right right yeah. part right script just nailing it yeah absolutely yeah. so that's that's where we're at so uh you know think about think about your own rating yeah think you about know? what you think of maggie smith in, in this episode and and stay tuned all right so now we're in the final leg of uh of downton abbey yes this leg takes place in september september ah uh, fall of the year <laughs> yeah fast forward to them being out of mourning incidentally a, a beautiful season that does not actually look any different from any of the other seasons well, as far as we can tell yeah but, you know, yes. they've told us it's September, and we have no reason to disbelieve them. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the staff is all gathering to go and meet this dashing young duke who yes. is coming to court The Duke Mary. of Crowborough. Crowborough. I know. Crowborough. <laughs> I don't know. It just but seems I, like it should be in a musical. One of, the, one of the nicest dukedoms there is, I would imagine. Oh, uh, probably. Well, it's got lots of crows. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice at all. <laughs> Um, Carson is talking to the cat, to the staff, and he's trying to talk Bates out of going out to greet the Duke, because of course, the Duke will be appalled at his infirmity. Yeah. And this will be a blemish on the reputation of Downton and Lady Mary's marriage prospects. Yes. Because of course, the first thing I ask when I go on a date is like, hold up, hold up, huddle. Okay. (laughs) Do you have any lame servants? Right. I mean, I asked you that question when we first started dating. And we weren't even dating at the time. Yeah, it's just, true. I was just, just feeling it out, you yeah. know, because I thought he was cute, but I was like, mm, if he has any lame servants, I can't. And the deal you know, breaker. And and I like the look of you, so I lied and said no, and then I had to come home and talk to Felix, and well, oh, yeah, it was rough. Poor Felix. Yeah, Have you, do you hear from him? No. Uh, well, Felix, if you're listening, uh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, Thomas continues to complain about Bates to Carson. Yes. Saying that he can't lift luggage and he's going to embarrass the crap out of everybody. And Carson is like, I know, dude, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> We're all trying to throw him under the hackney, uh, the, the, the hackney, hackney cab. The hackney cab. Yes. But it's just not working. <laughs> uh, the theme song kicks back in as the Duke arrives. Uh, at this point, we actually finally learned Sybil's name. Sybil is not introduced until <laughs> right. this scene. You're she's like, she's just been hanging around. You know, she's like Roy on that Poochie <laughs> episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> she's just like, so are you related to people? Or like, <laughs> right. what are you doing here? <laughs> um, so I want to just give a brief note about titles yes. and ranking, uh, really briefly. I got this information from a really super website that I love and spend way too much time on at work while right. I should be working. <laughs> uh, it is uh, run by a woman named Evangeline Holland, uh, who you can follow on Twitter. Uh, we'll we'll do a follow for her All right. on Friday. Mm-hmm. And the website itself is edwardianpromenade.com, and it is really thorough 
Uh, if there's anything you want to know about this time period. It and is, there is. Yeah. It is on this <laughs> website. It's really spectacular. Well, that sounds very interesting. Um, so there are six levels in the British peerage system. I'm only going to talk about the two that we are dealing with here. All right. The Duke is the highest rank. Okay. And uh, a duke is styled my lord duke and your grace. So if you're talking to the duke, you would say my lord duke or your grace. Okay. And uh, when he's introduced to a crowd, he is most noble. Oh. Uh, most noble. And uh, his younger sons are lords, his daughters are ladies, and they have the prefix when introduced as the right honorable such and such. Okay. Uh, now, the Lord Grantham is the Earl of Grantham, as we mentioned earlier. Yes. Which is actually equivalent in the continental peerage system mm-hmm. to a count or a compte. Oh, okay. Uh, it's very strange that they call him an Earl. To yeah. me, I don't know what, what the etymology is behind that. Right, because, right. I mean, obviously, Violet is the Dowager Countess. Um, mm-hmm. So the 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 woman is called Countess. Right. Although I don't believe we ever hear Lady Grantham referred to as Countess. Uh, well, because she's American. There might be some weird rules. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's actually No, that actually is true because it's in the Constitution that you can't accept a title of nobility yeah. from, another, from a foreign country. So. Okay, so... Anyway, we don't know a whole lot about that, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure that Wikipedia will tell us all about the uh, the penis yes. titles <laughs> of Great Britain. Yes. Uh, anyhow. Or any um, of our listeners with knowledge who would like to send it in. Yes. By all means. Uh, so an earl is a right honorable. So he's okay. really only as honorable as the children of a uh, duke. Yeah. Uh, because in between a duke and an earl is a marquess or marquis. Okay. So there is one level. So oh, okay. Mary, if things go well with this duke, she's really doing a up. big jump. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. you can't go much higher than a duke. Right. And and again, I mean, that's you can you can certainly tell even as a dumb American that doesn't know these things. Yeah. It is clear that duke is a big I mean, everybody deal. is Everybody's very very excited. Out um that. one more note about earls and then we'll then mm-hmm. we'll move on, but um Lord Grantham obviously doesn't have a son. But if he had had a son, his son would have been a Viscount uh, up until he inherited the title of Earl from his father. Interesting. Um, So his... Never encountered a Viscount before. Uh, well, if you had uh, listened to the soundtrack of Phantom of the Opera more in your youth, as I did, <laughs> you would know all about them. Yes, and and then his other sons would have just been honorable, mm-hmm. but all of the daughters would be ladies. There's a lot less variation for the women mm-hmm. in the peerage system. You're basically ladies or you are just honorable. Um, unless you're married to somebody with a title and then you get the equivalent female title. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's the basics you need to know about the peerage system, mm-hmm. uh, for this episode. All right. So the Duke gets there. We find out that he, uh, forgot his valet or his valet was sick. Yeah. He didn't forget his valet. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't just show up and be like, oh, usually there's some man hanging around <laughs> me. I, oh, I just can't shake the feeling that I've forgotten something. <laughs> Did I close my window? <laughs> Jeeves, oh, Jeeves, it was Jeeves. I forgot Jeeves. Anyway, so it's arranged that Thomas will fill in for him as his valet while he is staying at Downton. Yes. Uh, And then um, just they're almost through the whole thing. Uh, You know, everyone's been introduced and they're all adjourning to go inside. And then um, Mm -hmm. Bates just falls down for no reason. And so Um, then. No, it's no, it's not for no reason. What's the reason? The, the reason is that O'Brien kicks his cane out. What? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and I mean, it is like a split second shot that the, the way they edited it. Oh, what? But O'Brien kicks out his cane. Oh my when god! Everybody's back is turned. Are you? Yeah. Is you kick? Yes, it's the most evil thing that anyone has ever done. See, this is just oh my, like this just changes everything. Yeah. Well, because I look, I watched this episode three times, <laughs> yes. and at no point <laughs> I thought finally, like everybody's like predictions had come true. Well, I mean, because he did like drop that tray earlier, the, but that was just in the servant. Oh God, we missed that. Yeah, that was a, well. That was a while okay, back. look, he dropped a tray had, of silver, and it was a big scandal. It was a big scandal, but that was just in the servants' dining room. Yes. That wasn't like in, in front, front of, of a duke. duke. Yeah. She kicked his cane out? She kicked his cane out. That's like the definition of of evil. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. That's pushing down an old lady, taking her purse, and then spitting on her. Yeah. Like, this is horrible. It is horrible. Oh, my God. Again, Mr. Bates, who's never done anything to any of them. Oh, except for exist. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't change everything. It just kind of reinforces... My feelings on things, but it's right. still like, yeah, what a horrible person. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. It's super horrible. All right. Well, it, look, I'm sorry we've taken so long, but I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anna, Anna helps him up. Yes. Because she is very nice, and and he asks her not to feel sorry for him, mm-hmm. which like, shut up. I can feel sorry <laughs> for you if I want. Yes. Um, then we, then we get, uh, Mary alone with the Duke and he convinces her to take him exploring, uh, in their attics without telling her mother or anybody. Right. And I'm Uh, watching this and I'm thinking, are they going to Narnia? (laughs) Uh, to be fair, Tom thinks that about (laughs) everything he watches. Um, I got, I just got kind of a creepy. They didn't go to Narnia. Uh, so they, they go off to explore. Lord Grantham is talking to McGee and he tells her not to let Mary make a fool of herself, which really seems like something you should have said before the Duke got here. Yeah. Or at least before he went off alone with her. Yeah. Or maybe you should tell Mary like, hey, yeah, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but apparently that is just, nobody, nobody told her that. Yeah. Thus, too much to ask. Yeah. But, uh, McGee starts, uh, Bates thrashing again and, uh, she complains that he spoiled the Duke's arrival, which, have you seen the Duke? <laughs> he spoiled his own arrival with that face. <laughs> like, the Duke is not an attractive man, okay? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's not, like, horrifically ugly or anything. He's just, ugh. He's just like, to me. All right. Well, the Duke of Crowborough does not have a chance with Kelly. No, I have no duchess, duchess making or no duchess making, not (laughs) interested at all. All right. Um, And then uh, they have this weird, they have another awkward fight about how, you know, Carson, Carson is concerned about Downton's honor and stuff. And Lord Grantham is like, I don't care what Carson thinks. And Carson (laughs) walks in, of course. which is like you know yeah but hey because, i mean look the hey, servants, carson carson himself doesn't care what carson thinks the servants that's not don't his have job. to knock before they come into a room in yeah. general i mean they're just well because they're not you know they're not people yeah they're not they they're, they're not allowed of, to be part of what's going on unless yeah. you know directly addressed yeah anyway so he, he apologizes to carson uh yeah about saying many, he doesn't care what he thinks 
many awkward, like sincere, but like not like heartfelt apologies from from Lord yeah. Grantham throughout the episode. Yeah, very much so. So indeed. I was like, oh yeah, sorry. What? Where's my whiskey? <laughs> um, I ask that every day. So we have Mary and the Duke exploring in the attic, and yes. Mary remarks that it's the first time I've ever been alone. But apparently, it's not. They had a little uh, tete-a-tete. Yes. At some house party. Yeah. But they, um, they have a little bit of a history. A little together, bit of a history. She is she is very glad that he is there. Uh in fact she says that if she were to tell him how excited she was to be alone with him, he would think her rather forward. Yes. Uh which is a very that was a slick move, Mary. And it yeah. really is the first time she seems to be enjoying anything. Yeah, she's she's like engaged and human yes. at this point. Though not engaged, engaged. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they go into the men's servants' quarters, and she's very uncomfortable. Right. But he wants to go poke around in the men's servants' quarters because why Cause, not? Because he does. Because he's, you know, at this point, I was a little creeped out by it. I thought that he was either going to rape or coerce her mm-hmm. into having sex yeah. with him. Yeah, I, I definitely um, had the same vibe. It just going. He, he like he just wanted her to be alone, and he didn't want anybody to know where they were. Well, he was just radiating some sort of ulterior motive. Yeah, and it was just a very creepy. Yeah. Um. So they're in there, and he goes into this room. He's like, "Oh, who who lives here?" And she's like, "A footman, I imagine." Mm-hmm. And he uh, he goes in, and, and he, immediately just goes in and starts opening the drawers yeah. and going through. Uh, just a horrible, uh, just yeah. a horrible violation of anyone's privacy. Yeah. And he tells her that uh, he's making a study on the genus footman. Yeah. Which like is this just, is his reason for wanting to do it. Yeah, and, and like, I'm like, oh, I know laugh. this guy. And he's like, he's like, hello, I'm the assiest rich person that ever asked. Yeah, I mean, if you're wondering what the American Revolution was about, <laughs> any British listeners, it's this guy. <laughs> yes, this guy is the reason. <laughs> uh, his ancestors who were like, oh, excuse me, I'm just going to take all your money. I'm making a study of the genus colonist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that guy will be played in the movie version of this podcast by Hedonism Bot. Just <laughs> FYI. Yes, indeed. Uh, so they're up there, and they are caught by Bates. <gasps> Bates catches them. The disgraced Bates, who <laughs> yes. fell down in front of the Duke. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's like, uh, "Hey, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, I'm the only one who has to." Climb these 4,000 stairs. <laughs> right. And Mary is very apologetic. And she says, oh, I'm sorry, Bates. We were just exploring. And then the Duke comes out of the room he was in. And Bates gets another, he gets some great yeah, zingers nails, in this episode. He nails the situation. Like, of all the zingers in this episode, which, again, given Julian Fellow's apparent <laughs> joke allergy, uh, Bates gets most of the good lines. He yeah. opens his door to his, his quarters and just very coolly says, oh, would you like to explore my room? Yeah. And then Mary's very flustered. She's like, oh my god, of course not. No, no, no. We're going now. Come on. Duke, let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah. So they leave, and uh, the Duke is very upset that she apologized to Bates for this. Mm-hmm. And Mary gets in a good line herself, and she says, uh, I always apologize when I'm in the wrong. It's a habit of mine. Yeah. Which is probably the first nice and sympathetic thing she said the entire time. Yeah. It really, you're like, oh, that is, you know, well done, Mary. Standing next to this abomination of humanity, mm-hmm. you really look good. Yeah. I mean, and and we're not just talking about how ugly he is. (laughs) Right. We're talking about you are clearly, the 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 moral high ground is yours. His soul, yeah. Yes. Um, so let's keep going because we're still very far from the end of this. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Okay. So, uh, 
Carson's complaining about Bates and that Bates can't serve at table because when they have a large party, they have to have an, an extra footman to serve. Right. And if they can't use Bates, they have to have a maid in the dining room, which is just like beyond the pale. Yes. So the, the Bates pile-on is still going strong. We get a weird scene with Mrs. Hughes and William, which I'm not even going to talk about because – It makes no it sense. It makes no sense. nothing. Um, Lord Grantham finally confronts Bates in regards to his fall and relieves him of duty. Yes. He is fired for falling down. And mm-hmm. I, again, I just thought that, again, that this was just Bates falling down, but right. he doesn't even then defend himself. No, he doesn't. He never defends himself at any point. I mean, he's like, he's, I mean, he really, like, we're rooting for him, all that but sort of thing. But he's kind of like Piggy in Lord of the Flies. <laughs> You're like, well, well we kind of saw this coming. He's just too good. Yeah. Like, even Jesus got mad sometimes. He did get mad sometimes. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. Um, just ask that fig tree. Yeah, so anyway, so he's fired, and then he's like, I'll go right now. And Lord Grantham's like, oh, no, no, no. Go tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a, yeah. That's what a Lord magnanimous Grantham. dude. Um, so then we cut to dinner time, and Lady Grantham makes the worst, worst, worst joke of the episode. <laughs> and an episode riddled with bad jokes. Yes. Like holes in so much Swiss cheese. <laughs> She leans over to the Duke and she says, I'm a f- in her weird accent, which I'm going to do for you right now. Yeah. I'm afraid we're rather a female party tonight, Duke. But you know how it is trying to match numbers in the country. A single man outranks the Holy Grail. <laughs> She's the only one laughing. Yeah. At her horrible, horrible joke. God, and that... That impression was so horribly accurate. Oh, like, it's oh, so terrible. Just the pacing and the pronunciation and everything about I'm it. I'm like, who taught you how to deliver a joke? Laura Linney? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. Anyway, fortunately, good old reliable Edith says something <laughs> asinine and asks why uh, the Duke and Mary were up in the attics, which causes a whole kerfuffle. Yeah. Which, to her credit, the Countess, uh, Dowager Countess, tries to... De- yeah. Doesn't miss a beat. She absolutely, like, just, like, changes the topic of conversation and has handled this party no. foul with aplomb. Uh-huh. But, unfortunately, we discover that Edith is truly Lord Grantham's daughter because he goes, what? <laughs> yeah. In the attics, but why? And, like, everybody's, like, trying to, like, like, do you, do you or do you not want this guy to, like, save our family? Yeah. Um, but... Basically, Edith won't let it go, and then it's time for them to get up and go into the other room. And, like, Edith is like, I don't understand! And Mary's just like, will you hold your tongue? And everybody's very awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. So then uh, we go back uh, below stairs, and uh, Anna's going to take a tray up to Mr. Bates. Right. And uh, she goes up and takes the tray. Yes. And Mr. Bates is crying. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to front. Upstairs, downstairs, listeners. Yeah. Every time I watched this scene, I cried. Yeah. I cried and cried and cried. Not and because of Mr. Bates. But because Anna is the nicest person she in the world. She is so sweet. And not in like a fakey way or like an off-putting way. She's very genuine. Yeah. And so she sees him crying, kind of like backs up and you can kind of see her considering what to do. And she's very emotional. And what hasn't really come across in this podcast is they afford, forged a friendship. Yeah. They're, and they're, she's really the only person rooting for nice him on him. the staff. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so she gives him the tray and they have this conversation and she asks him, you know, please to keep in touch. And he says, you know, that he will. Yeah. Um, no, there's a very nice little line there because she says, you know, let us know when you get fixed up because otherwise 
I'll worry. Mm-hmm. And she, she changes her from being about us to being specifically yeah. about her. And it's very sweet and nice. Yeah, it's a very nice moment. Yeah. Uh, then we see that the Duke has asked Lord Grantham to stay behind because there is something he wants to ask him. Which, if you've read a British period novel ever, yes. you know what that means. Yeah. Somebody is about to get engaged yeah. or horribly disappointed. <laughs> right. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so instead of asking the question, the Duke asks, Asks, uh, or he brings up Patrick and James's deaths and apologizes, you know, and is so sorry for them. Mm-hmm. And he says, but Mary's prospects uh, must have improved. And uh, Lord Grantham finally displays a little savvy here and says, oh, have they? Yeah. And then the Duke says, haven't they? And it's very much like a like a Harold Pinter play or something. <laughs> um, anyway, basically, they have this whole conversation where... We find out that Lord Grantham is definitively not fighting the entail, and yes. the Duke can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have this whole discussion about that, and the Duke is amazed that he's going to hand Grantham over to a perfect stranger. Yeah. And again, one joke that works, Lord <laughs> Grantham says, I hope he turns out to be perfect, but I doubt it. Um, but he's decided to go ahead and just go with the flow and, and deal with this upstart third cousin solicitor yeah. heir, apparently. Solicitor of all things. So then um, he asks... Uh, Something. Oh, the uh, Lord Grantham is is explaining the ins and outs of Mary's dowry and and what she'll right. be receiving uh, when when she marries. And the Duke is like, "Oh, I'm afraid of giving you the wrong impression," and smarms his way out of the obvious yeah uh, a proposal he was about to make. And Lord Grantham gets pissed off. Yes, he does. Like he displays more emotion than anybody. In the entire episode that we've seen. Like, right. he is just like, then why did you ask me to stay here? Yeah. But the Duke, as we discussed, two full ranks above him just goes, yeah. oh, I, for- I forgot. Yeah. I you just know. don't care. Yep. He really doesn't care. And and there's nothing Lord Grantham can do. Yeah. Because if he, uh, if he is rude to the Duke, then the Duke can go out and further damage Mary's prospects by saying what an ingracious host Lord Grantham has been. So yeah. he's, in a, he's in a tight spot. Then, uh, so the Duke's bailing out of this whole thing, yeah. and he's just booking it up to bed at this point. Uh, unfortunately, Mary is waiting by the 1912 equivalent of the telephone, a.k.a. outside the door where her father is talking to her boyfriend. <laughs> right. Uh, and the Duke just blows her off. He's like, yeah, I'm leaving in the morning. Bye. Uh, tell that footman I'm going to bed. See ya. Yeah. And she is obviously devastated. Right. I mean, just the five stages of grief <laughs> happen in her face. Right. And and then right at this moment when she's just been devastated, like Edith just sort of looms up out uh-huh. of the background. She smelled the chum in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Edith, Edith comes up. And she's like, "On oh, who's crying now, bitch? <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh, he slipped the hook. <laughs> and then Mary says, at least I'm not fishing with no bait. Boom. Boom. Oh, and you, Edith can't, and Mary just books it out of there. And Edith, yeah. like, can't even tell what happened. No, she just stands there like, for, like, five seconds. And you can see her face, like, trying to come up with, she's like, but I, at least my line isn't. Tangled up. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then uh, we go up to the Duke's quarters and Thomas is there. Mm-hmm. Turns out that little field trip that Thomas took to town, he used it to telegraph the Duke and give him essentially bad information that yeah. he thought Mary was going to be named the heir uh, yes. to the estate. And, you know, the Duke is not upset that his information was was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh but, you know, he was like, you did the right thing. And we find out they have yes. a uh, a connection. A connection. A a missed connection. <laughs> uh, yeah, they make out. 
Yeah. Old style. They do. Oh, it's very cute. It's <laughs> the only human thing Thomas does in this whole episode because yeah. most of the time he's like snidely whiplash without a mustache. <laughs> But yeah, they, they apparently had this, this little, uh, dalliance during, uh, a season in London, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or somewhere, wherever they were. Yeah. Um, and they have been kind of in correspondence trying to arrange it so that Thomas can be serving in, in the same house as the Duke is in. Mm-hmm. And so Thomas wants, you know, he's like, I want to be with you and all this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> the Duke, the Duke tells him that, uh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal and one swallow doesn't make a summer, <laughs> which I think is the filthiest thing that's ever been uttered on PBS. Like, Listen, is- I've seen some upset people on Antiques Roadshow. They never got nearly <laughs> that filthy. Yeah. Um, so the Duke basically blows him off and he's like, yeah, sorry. Then, you know, eh, yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, Thomas... Being Thomas jumps immediately to blackmail. Right. There is not even a moment for him to catch his breath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, really? Well, I have proof that we banged and I'm going to tell everybody. And the Duke's like, yeah, nobody's going to believe you. You're a footman. And he's like, no, 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 really. I have like proof, proof, like some serious proof. Yeah. The Duke pulls out a bundle of letters and goes, oh, these? Boom. Boom. In the fire. So yeah. we discover that, that not only was he... Look, he may have been ty- like tangentially interested in possibly marrying Mary right. if she had money. But when he was luring up to the attics, it was so far from wanting to have sex with her. It was wanting to get evidence to keep his gay lover from blackmailing yes. him. Yes. That's Which the opposite. I got I have to hand it to Downton Abbey because I yeah. I was genuinely surprised. Yeah. They Cuz really I got like cuz you get a couple cues that they like it all adds up in the end, yeah. but it doesn't. No, you're just like this guy's kind of being weird about Thomas. Yeah, that's a maybe he's just a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Thomas is very upset, and it, it does. I I do kind of feel bad for him here because yeah, that's true. We've all been blackmailed, well, and it's, and just it's this not feeling fun. that this has been his insurance policy for years. Yeah, and like, that, he's well, always and that like, he... been like whatever happens, this is my backup. Plan. Yeah, and you, you know he didn't have the the you know 1912 equivalent of he's just not that into you. Um, <laughs> right. To to help him through this, yeah. so yeah. So then uh, Carson informs Mrs. Hughes that the Duke is leaving. We get one more horrible pun. <laughs> Mrs. Hughes says, "Oh, so his grace turned out to be graceless." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like I've gone to so many horrible comedy open mics, <laughs> and like all of the horrible jokes are so much better than Julian Fellow's horrible <laughs> jokes. Like, oh, they're so bad. Yeah. Each of his clever jokes is, like, really, like, set up to stand on its own. There's yeah. Like a pause and, like, hey, check this joke out, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Grace, graceless, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, just, like, seconds away from playing the Benny Hill music. <laughs> um, we get a- another scene of McGee and Lord Grantham. And they're ragging on the Duke as well they should. Yes. Uh, and saying, you know, that Mary wouldn't have been happy with a gold digger, even though Lord Grantham was. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about how they like really love each other and it's not a sham marriage anymore. Yeah. Uh, so FYI, guys, <laughs> they really love each other and it's not a sham marriage. Got it. And uh, Lord Grantham tells her that, you know, yeah, hey, really, I'm not going to fight this entail. And she's like, well, I'm going to keep nagging you about it. <laughs> just even though I don't think that it'll do any yeah. good. I'm just going to keep... It accomplish nothing. It'll just make us both unhappy, but I'm going to do it. But that's marriage in the uh, late Victorian, early Edwardian era. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so then um, 
The following morning, Bates is uh, going to ride in the front of the car with the Duke back to the station because they're taking the same train. Right. Everyone... Well, Lord Grantham and McGee say goodbye to the Duke. The girls haven't woken up yet because the Duke is trying to slink out under cover of dawn. Yeah, apparently. and he, he tells McGee that, oh, something has come up, which has caught me completely by surprise. Despite the fact that, like, no telegrams yeah. have arrived for him. They don't have a telephone. Yeah. There's no way anything could have come up. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but they're all bound by the rules of being polite. So they're all being right. polite and they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, so he gets in the car. Bates is sitting up front after, like, Lord Grantham is like, oh, best of luck to you, uh, one-legged valet. Like, who else is going to hire this dude? Nobody. Anyway, but Bates takes it with his usual equanimity, and he gets on there on the car. And then, like, the, <laughs> like, the car starts, and, like, immediately Lord Yeah, like, it doesn't even, it doesn't get, like, five feet. No, and Lord Grantham is like, Bates! Bates! And, like, we... <laughs> We would say that it's a cliche that he, like, ran after this moving vehicle, except, like, all we've ever seen is parodies of it. Right, like, you know, Bugs Bunny and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so we can't yeah. even it's, – it's, it is a cliche, but maybe it's not really founded in, in any sort of yeah. reality. But anyway, so he runs and he says, Bates, you know, come on back in and we'll never talk about this again. And yeah. I'm like, well, you're British, so you might talk about it again in, like, a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we cut to a new location. <gasps> pretty exciting it is pretty exciting we are in a, a very well appointed uh breakfast room there's some people having breakfast uh an older woman and a very attractive young man mm-hmm. the older woman uh some of you might recognize as harriet jones from doctor who she was the prime minister she was quite cool yes until she wasn't so we were excited to see her yes and then the young man uh we learned is matthew so this is the this infamous the- much talked about solicitor in yes. manchester yes uh, and, and uh, let's be clear they're in a very nice room yeah like they're not poor like i don't know yeah. what everybody's like so worried about like they have servants they have like a bunch of nice dishes yeah like they're not like boot blacks or <laughs> chimney sweeps <laughs> right. like or like jockeys yeah they don't even have like cockney accents they're using yeah. the same posh accent as the other people yeah so anyway he opens this letter and he says oh it's from lord grantham and she's like, well, what on earth does he want? And he says, he wants to change our lives. Roll Boom. credits. Roll credits. Yeah. The end. Unless you're in America, in which case there's still another. Yeah. I think if you're if you're watching the PBS one, depending on like pledge breaks and stuff, ours ended at about a minute 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last, the last scene on PBS is that scene. Yeah. So if you get there and for some reason you care, stop. <laughs> right. Stop right now. Because we're not going to recap anymore. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 pounds. Like, yes. it's over. So, we've made it through the so first episode. So, we made it through episode. the first episode in record time. <laughs> I hope. Uh, we've done all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we have a, we have now a couple of awards that we'd like to hand that's out. That's right. Uh, one as discussed. The, the Maggie Smith scale of Maggie Smith. That is right. I don't know about you, but I'm giving her five. I'm going to have to – I think you're right. I, I I thought about it and I was like, don't want to bust out five Maggie Smiths right away. But I mean, Look, her intro no, no, no. is great. You don't bust any – Maggie Smith busted it out. We <laughs> are merely right. the conduits that is through which the Maggie Smith her scale of Maggie intro, Smith is communicated. Her costume in that intro, her handling of the situation with Edith, mm-hmm. like just all throughout. Uh, just, just really in her element on top very, of her game. very Maggie Smith. Oh, and the line reading on uh, – Saying that we shouldn't invite the Duke until Mary's out of mourning because no one wants to kiss a girl in black, <laughs> which is spectacular. Yes. 
Um, yes, and then we have a couple other uh, lesser awards. Right. We like to start with the big one right out of the <laughs> gate and then whatever. Right. Uh, so we have the Gibson Girl Award for the best fashion. Yes. Uh, despite my, my issues with her, I have to give it to McGee for this one. All right. Specifically for the dress she was wearing at the dinner with the Duke. I mean, she really mm. knocked it out of the park. It had this sort of like gray illusion. Yeah, thing. yeah. It was very stunning. And, yeah. and, and she wore, uh, to greet the Duke, a very nice dress and also... Um, the first thing that she had with Maggie Smith where you really get to see what she's wearing. Just a really neat dress with some very cool piping and buttons. So okay. nice work on that, McGee. Thumbs up. Congratulations. Uh, we now have uh, Best Evasion of a Question. Right, which there are many questions evaded in, in Downton Abbey, and we wanted to uh, to rank them as, as best we can each mm-hmm. episode. Um, this one was actually a little tougher than I think some of the upcoming episodes yeah. would be. What do, we, what do we want to go with on this one? Well, the Duke evaded a question about the attics. That's true. A little bit. Although, that's really, I think we have to give that to Maggie Smith because, like, she didn't even allow for the question. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She was just like, she, boom. That was a question diversion. Yeah. Um, um, or or the Duke uh, evading. That's I actually think, that's, the, I think that's that's the, the one because yeah. where where the, uh, asking what, uh, what what the he, Duke wanted to ask him. Right. That's like. Best evasion of a question on top of evasion of a question. Yeah. Like, it's become meta at yeah. that point. Yeah. So, all right, so, all right. Congra- congratulations, congratulations to Duke. the Duke of Crowborough. Yes, you have won best evasion of a question for yes. this episode. Uh, and uh, the final award for best overbite goes to <laughs> Edith. Huh. Edith has the best overbite in I, Downton Abbey You know what? I, I fully agree with that. Hey, great. Congratulations, Edith. It's probably the only thing you're ever going to win. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't Is there anything more that you would like to say? Uh no, I mean, I think we've, I think we've covered it. Okay, fantastic. All right, I'm excited for the next episode. I am really excited for the next episode too. Yeah, because that's when we, shit gets real. Yeah, I mean, there's so much exposition in this one, but it's all out of the way now, and we're really ready yeah. to get into things. On to, on to the dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed yourselves Indeed. and uh, had a good time listening to this uh, while you cleaned your wealthy employer's house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, until next time, I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. And I guess the only thing left to say is, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs.